Good morning. Happy Valentine's Day. Wasn't that a great song? Uh, I, uh, yeah, I wrote that this week. Asked Brandon to sing it if he would. Actually, it's a new song by Brandon, and uh, just fantastic. And you guys look good in the background, and it was great. My Valentine is here with me today. We are so excited to be here. We have spent the last three weeks battling COVID, and we won. So we're, we're good, and we're glad to be here. And, and uh, how many of you, well, let me welcome those of you who are joining us uh, uh, online right now. We're glad that you are with us or at uh, one of our campuses. Uh, we're glad that you're along too. Um, how many of you, let's be honest, honesty time, real quick, honesty, okay? How many of you have complained about the weather today already once at least, okay? It's almost unanimous in here. All right, so, so I woke up and I had this kind of drippy, complainy, kind of yucky kind of feeling, right? And so I thought, how many of you know that perspective brings happiness, okay? Perspective brings happiness. So here's what I did. It was at 7.30 this morning. I was just getting ready to be here. And I, uh, I thought, I'm gonna check on the last two places we lived and see how the temperature is there. And so take a look. Denver, I'm from Denver, Colorado. And this morning, it's minus seven, but it feels like minus 23, okay? I thought, praise, praise Jesus. And then look at the next one, Freeport, Illinois. Minus eight, wind chill, minus 27, how about Allendahl, where I live? 41, and it feels like 41. Y'all, let's go to the beach, huh? You ready for that? <laughs> Perspective brings happiness, all right? I am so excited today to introduce to you uh, our speaker. We're gonna start a brand new series next week. You don't wanna, you don't wanna miss. Uh, Pastor Josh is gonna start it. And we're going to be talking about these things we believe. And it's going to be, I think, one of the more powerful series we've done in years. But this week, we've got a special guest. He's a friend of the house. You guys have met him before. Um, great guy. Uh, he's, a, he's a pastor. He's a speaker. Uh, he consults with the largest churches around America. Uh, he's, a, um, he's a leader. He's a dad. Uh, he's a husband, has a great family, but he's just a good guy. I love him. And today's message is so strong. Some of you are going to turn to the person next to you later on. And you're going to say, that one was for me. So will you welcome with me today uh, Scott Williams as he comes and speaks to us? All right, Seacoast Church, everybody join us all around the world online. Let's go ahead and start this thing off right. If you know that God is good all the time, let me hear you just make a little bit of noise this morning. Oh, okay. They told me this was a great service to preach at. I want to start off again by welcoming everybody. I know we got everybody, all of the Seacoast camps. There's too many of them for me to remember. I mean, there's like every name. We got St. John, St. Mark, St. Luke. Like every, every, it's all over. Everybody's all over Dubai. We got Johannesburg, Seacoast campuses everywhere. 
Uh, but we're here in Mount Pleasant, America, and it is great to be here. I will tell you this about Mount Pleasant is that you guys are short on Uber and Lyft drivers. Like, I mean, they are, they're not existing, so that's like, they're like a rare commodity. So anyway, it's, it's a whole nother story, but I'm good to be here. A little bit, let's tell me a little bit about me before we dive in. Again, my name is Scott Williams. I bring you greetings from the great state of Oklahoma, uh, the city of Oklahoma City. I used to, back in the day, always want to say like home of the NBA champions, Oklahoma City Thunder. I don't even know the names of our players anymore, so it's a, uh, so the Thunder are not the team anymore. They will be one day. Maybe, but um, a little bit about me. I'm married. I have one wife. She's awesome. Her name is LaKendria, and she's white. You know she's not white with a name LaKendria. You know what I'm saying? Anytime a name begins with La, Sha, Ba, Da, Ta, you know they black, right? Uh, some of y'all are like, can I laugh at that? Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, that's my family there. That's my, uh, my youngest son is on the left. That's Jaden Scott Williams. He is a senior in high school. He actually just signed last week, going to play college football uh, next year. So we're excited about that. That's something to clap about. And he'll be graduating. And then my oldest son is on the right. That's Scott Wesley Williams Jr. He is a senior in college. At the, he'll be graduating the University of Oklahoma. And he'll be going into the dental school in the fall. And that's my wife. Yeah, you can clap for that too. It's good. I know what some of you guys are saying. How in the world does he have a, a kid that's a senior in college and a senior in high school? You know what they say? Black don't crack. You know what I'm saying? But uh, anyway, so like, that's my family, and my wife and I will be married 20 years in August, so yeah, and that's my Valentine. And here's the, like, she was going to come with me, but um, there's this little thing in Oklahoma, we, we call it snow Oklahoma right now, so you think you got it bad here with your 41 degrees and some rain, or wherever you at, here's the Oklahoma forecast for the state of Oklahoma, that's the map right now. Yes, that's the snow, between 15 to 20 inches in some areas, 10 to 15. So anyway, so there's lots of snow. So there's a very good chance that when I leave here today, I'm going to be stuck somewhere between here, Atlanta, and home. You know what I'm saying? So like, that's crazy. And so here's the other temperatures for Oklahoma. So for the rest of the week, it's right there. It's so cold, but at least the weather has Jenny's number. Don't have any idea what we're talking about right now, but uh, but, but true stories like Oklahoma, it's cold, so it's cold, but it is great to be at Seacoast. And I tell you, I love this church, I love your pastors. I, I was just with a church in Tampa last week. Uh, matter of fact, they were celebrating the Super Bowl, it was on Wednesday, and they were going to a big Super Bowl party, you know, on the parade thing, asking, Did I want to go? I said, No, thanks, <laughs> anyway, but I decided not to go. But they were saying that they had just came here and spent some time with uh. Pastor Greg and Pastor Josh. Here's what they said. True story. They said, you know, Pastor Greg, we knew that he was the OG, but man, that Josh guy, he's kind of a genius. And so I just want you guys to know what people say about your leaders and your church. You know, Pastor Greg and Pastor Debbie and, and Pastor Josh and Pastor Lisa, you guys have some of the best leaders literally in the world. So just give a hand clap that you're part of something that's really, really special here. And what Seacoast is known for is doing stuff the right way. I mean, you guys do things the right way. Like this, is, I mean, this church is amazing. And wherever you guys are joining online, all of our campuses, if you're online, it's crazy awesome here. Because here's the deal. This isn't how church was for young Scott growing up. I mean, I take you back to young Scott growing up, about six years old, going to church. I mean, I mean, you I mean seriously, like, it's like, I don't know, like, you know, I don't know, like Seacoast kids, kids coast. It's like you know, children's ministry meets Disney, right? It's like, it's awesome. Young Scott's, you know, children's ministry at six, it consisted of me 
doodling on the back of offering envelopes. You know what I'm saying? And so, so young Scott, I'm back. I, I'm doodling on the back of offering envelopes. And this is before everybody was trying to be healthy and gluten-free candy and gluten-free stuff. And my mom used to give me candy corn. By a show of hands, how many of you guys know what candy corn is? Little kids, it's the candy that you don't want to eat on Halloween, right? And so I would play the candy corn game. And the candy corn game is where you bite the white off of the top, and then you bite the yellow, then you throw the orange up and you cry, try to catch it, right? And so, so young Scott in church playing the candy corn game, and, and my preacher didn't give these amazing mess, like you're going to go into the series next week and about these are the things that matter to us, this is what we think, this is what we're about, like this is what we believe. My services wasn't like that, and they were really long. Preacher be like, and the Lord said, aha, and, and this ain't about no Peter Cottontail hopping down the bunny trail, aha, and if you don't quit fornicating, you're going to hell, aha, and why are you wearing that short miniskirt to church, aha. Be like, Mom, why is he so mad? He's always yelling. And this is just a little glimpse of what heaven's going to look like. Aha! I'm like, this is what heaven's going to look like. Send me to hell. I'm already there. We've been here for 12 hours. I want to play. <laughs> but that's not how church is here at Seco. It's a little bit different. And so... Um, I'm excited to be able to share. I really hope that today's message will put a, an exclamation point on the end of your week and maybe there's something that will encourage you as you go into uh, the beginning of your week. And, and I'm going to go ahead and set the stage for the time that we're going to look at in Scripture. It's a time where Jesus had been doing what he does. He had been teaching these parables. He had been teaching and, and he had been performing miracles. And he performed some amazing miracles. One of the miracles he performed is like he cast some demons out of a man. So he cast some demons out of a man. And then, and then one of the other miracles he did was he... He calmed the storm, and so the, the, the waves and the winds and the storms were coming, and he told them to shh, peace, be still, and, and the storm calmed down. So he's performing all these different miracles, and people were intrigued. There's one where he performed, performed a miracle where he, he loosened a woman's hair who had been stuck by gorilla glue demon. And so anyway, so like Jesus was able to loosen her hair, so he's performing all of these miracles. And as, he's <laughs> and as he's performing these miracles, like the crowds are intrigued. And they're like, oh, what's, what's, what's up with these miracles he's performing? And so he went viral. And so they want to know what's happening. What's up with these miracles? And that's what we'll pick up in the scripture, Luke uh, 8, verse 40 through 55. Uh, what I'll do is I'll read those verses in its entirety. I'll come back and we'll unpack it a few verses at a time. Is it okay we just preach the Bible today? You know, it's okay if you guys to talk back. I know you got masks on and all that. At least some of you do. And I know you got masks on and all that. But like I'm saying like, but it's okay. So it's okay to talk back. If you hear something that's really good, you're like, man, I needed that. If you hear something that's really, really good, you may point to your neighbor and say, she needed that. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever it is. No, don't do that. Don't do that, fellas. Don't, 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 don't. Anyway, verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the, the crowds are, are pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. 
But then Jesus said, someone tell you, I know that power is going to happen. Then a woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, not let anyone go in with him except for Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. And meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. We could close our Bibles. We could put down our smartphones. We could quit taking notes. That's really all that we need to hear. But I really believe no matter where you are watching this online or any of our campuses or you're in the room today that, that God has something uniquely that he wants to speak to you during this time, during this season we're in as a nation, as a world, and during the season that you're in individually at your home. And so let's go ahead and set the stage and, and look at the players in context. You had Jairus, who was the, the synagogue leader. In other words, he was a big man on campus. He was the one that was held in high esteem. He was the one that set the stage for the service and got everything together. And, and so that's Jairus. And so you think about it. For Jairus to come to Jesus, he had to, in other words, he had to be in dire straits. In other words, his back was against the wall. And the same is true for us. We find ourselves coming to Jesus oftentimes when our, when our back is against the wall, when we've had it up to here, when we, we don't have any, any place else to turn. And so that's where Jairus was. And then you had this woman that we referred to as the, the woman with the issue of blood or the woman who had been some version of the Bible, the woman that, who had been subject to bleeding. And what this meant is this is someone who, this is a woman that bled beyond her cycle. For, for kids that are in the room or watching online, I mean motorcycle. That's why you need to go to kids' church. Aha! Anyway, so but, so, but here's the thing. But, but anything she touched would be considered unclean. So if she touched that chair, it'd be unclean. It'd be ceremonially unclean. So she couldn't touch it. So if she touched this podium, it'd be considered unclean. If she touched the door handle. So I want you to think about it. I mean, some of you, you ladies, you think that your relationships are strained right now on this Valentine's Day. But imagine that everything you touched was considered unclean. And she tried everything. For healing, but no answers. She's becoming more and more anemic. I mean, she's doing everything. She's went, she spent all of her money. She's tried everything she could. She went to Dr. Oz. She went to Dr. Phil. She went to Dr. Fauci. She tried Moderna. She tried everything, Pfizer, but nothing was working. But she just thought maybe if I could get in front of this man named Jesus, I heard about these miracles that he's performed. If I could just get in front of him, just maybe something would be different. I want you to think about this. And, and, and with the woman with the issue of blood, she had been bleeding for how many years? It's not a trick question. 12. Jairus' daughter was how old? 
12. And so they're both 12. So I'm thinking as I'm preparing for this message, like, God, what are you trying to speak through this number 12? And so I looked up the biblical meaning for the number 12, and it literally means power, authority, and completeness. Everybody say power. Everybody say authority. Everybody say completeness. So power, authority, and completeness. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at how we can stay connected to the pack, the power, authority, and completeness. So the first thing, if you're taking notes, is this. If, if you want to be able to see all that God has for you in 2021, if you want 2021 to be different than 2020 was, if you want to be able to step into all that God has for you, if you want the blessing and breakthrough that we're seeing through Jairus' daughter and through the woman who had been subject to bleeding, first thing you got to do if you're taking notes is you got to connect to the power of Jesus. Let's go back to verse 40. When Jairus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and she reached out and she touched the edge of his cloak, his cloak that was going on the cobblestone street. She just grabbed the hole and reached out and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately she was healed. And so you think about like she had to do our part. Like many of you guys, you want the blessing and breakthrough, but the question is, are you reaching out and connecting with Jesus? I don't know what you guys call these in your house. What do you call these little blocks right here? What do you call them? Brick? What else? Cube? What else? So brick, cube, her power source. We call them the pack in our house. And my, my sons call them the things that dad loses every time he goes on a trip, right? And so like, so these are, well, here's you need to know. Like these packs, they're, they're four watts. But here's the deal. This is a hack. I'm not going to charge you anything for this. If you get the larger one that are for the iPads, these are 12 watts. And it charges your phone like three times as fast. And so anyway, so you got the, the pack or the brick or the cube. But here's the thing, many of you, you're wanting to connect to the pack, you're wanting to experience the blessing and breakthrough, but you're, you're rolling around like this, and you're not connecting to anything. And so here's what happens is you got to do what the woman with the issue of blood did. What she understood is this, she had to reach out and connect to the power source. And once you connect to the power source, then you can do what? You can tap into the endless power that Jesus has. And many of you, you're like, in worship, you won't even lift your hands up to worship. When it's time to help somebody in need, you won't even lift a hand. If you need to serve, you're not even plugging in to serve. When it comes to giving, you can buy the J's, you can buy the purse, you can get your hair done, you can hit Starbucks five or six times a week, but you're not generous with your giving. But you won't experience the blessing and breakthrough. You won't experience what Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood experienced. You got to learn to connect to the power of Jesus. Again, she was hemorrhaging. And if you think about this woman, they didn't call her Debbie or Lisa or, or Sally or Mary, they called her the woman with the issue of blood or the woman who had been subject to bleeding. In other words, they called her by her condition. And that's the same thing is true for us, that if our condition persists for long enough, we'll begin to be known by our condition than we are known by our name. You'll be known as John the alcoholic or, or Sally that's addicted to prescription drugs or Jill who can't keep a man or Sheila who's always going to spend Valentine's Day lonely. Or the couple who can't get pregnant, the alcoholic, the drug head, the always make bad decisions, the failure. 
You begin to be known by your condition. I'm here to tell you, like, you don't have to be known by your condition. You got to shake those labels. And here's the deal. You can't listen to the labels that people give you. I mean, we've seen how labels play out well in the political system. Only thing that, that candidates do right now, you have candidate A will give a label to candidate B. He'll give it in a 30-second soundbite in a commercial, and that's what he wants you to buy into about candidate A or B. And that's the story. And that's what the enemy and oftentimes others will do to us. They will give us these labels and you'll begin to be defined by those labels. You got to shake the labels. And that's what this woman with the issue of blood, she was no longer going to be just considered the woman with the issue of blood. The question is, what labels are you speaking over you? What labels are your friends or those close to you speaking over you? I'm telling you, I speak labels over my boys. Ever since they were young, I always tell them, like, they're going to be the greatest world change of their generation, that God is going to use them mightily. Whatever their goals are, I speak it over. My son always said when he was little, I want to play college football. My oldest son, I want to be a doctor. I've encouraged them. I spoke those labels over them. You can do this. I don't care what nobody else says. And here's the deal. If they don't hear from anybody else, they hear it from their father. Their father tells them that they're going to be great. Their father tells them that they have what it takes. Their father is the one that puts the labels over them. And I'm here to tell you that if you don't have anybody speaking those labels over you, you got to look in the mirror, begin to speak those labels over yourself because I'm here to tell you that your heavenly father speaks some labels over you. And he says, you know what? That you are more than a conqueror. He says, you know what? The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. He says, you know what? Not that you can do some things, but you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Those are the labels that God speaks over you. Because you have two choices in life. You can elevate your problems or you can elevate God's promise. You can elevate your problems or you can elevate God's promise. But what you got to understand is whichever one you elevate, that's the one that covers you. What are you elevating today, my friends? Those of you watching online at all of our campuses, right there where you're sitting, answer that question, what are you elevating today? Because we were worshiping here and I'm thinking about the worship set and then the song was was so amazing, and, and it's basically you hold it all together. It says, the God of my present is the God of my future. You write my story. You're the one who holds it all together. I'm here to tell you that the God of your present is the God of your future. He's the one that writes your story, and he's the one that holds it all together. So who cares what they say? Your condition doesn't define your position, and it definitely doesn't define your position in the kingdom of God. Second thing, if you're taking notes, you write this one down as this, is you have to submit to the authority of Jesus. Everybody say authority. Verse 45. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the, the crowds are, are crowding and pressing against you. So I want you to think about the crowds are pressing against you. So, so Peter's like, yo, man, y'all need to back up off of Jesus. Hey, man, y'all better back up. Quit pressing against Jesus. Y'all better ask somebody about me. You know I'm going to cut somebody. Y'all better back up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the crowds are pressing against me, and, and, and Peter's trying to, to get them to back up, but they're not listening. And, but Jesus said this. This is key. Someone touched me. Listen to this. I know that power has gone out from me. Someone reached out and touched me, and as a result, I know that power has gone out from me. So my question for you, are you really reaching out and touching Jesus? Do your Facebook posts, do your Instagram posts, do your secret DMs look like you're reaching out and touching Jesus? 
The way you honor your spouse, does it look like you're reaching out and touching Jesus? The words and labels that you speak over those that you love and those that are close to you, does it look like you're reaching out and touching Jesus? The things that you think, the things that you say, and the things that you do, do they look like you're reaching out and touching Jesus? And the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. In other words, she's like, Jesus, it, it, was, it was me. She realized she could go unnoticed. I'm here to put you on notice that you can't go unnoticed. God already knows. He already knows what you're thinking before you thought it. And so the question is like, are you going to do what the woman with the issue of blood did? You got to come clean in order to become clean. Let me say that again. You got to come clean. You got to put it out on the table in order to become clean. Some of you, that's going to be coming clean with your spouse. Some of you, that's going to be coming clean with a friend that you say this relationship and hanging with you guys is not good for me. Some of you got to come clean and you got to be able to stand up and say, how we're living is not honoring God. How I'm thinking is not honoring God. I'm going to go ahead and come clean with you guys. I haven't always been a preacher. I haven't always had the opportunity to go around the world and share God's word. As a matter of fact, our oldest son, Scott Wesley Williams Jr., he was in our wedding. You do the math. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, like, and I don't say that for any other reason other than like, people are like, well, Scott, when did this following Jesus thing become real for you? It's easy. It's when Wesley was born. He's 21, almost 22, almost 22 years ago. Because when Wesley was born, that's when the running after Jesus became real for me. And so that's what I had to do. I had to make sure I got serious. I had to come clean in order to become clean. Now, I'll be honest with you, when he got a little bit older as a, as a preacher's kid, he'd look at wedding pictures like, Mom, Dad, how was I in y'all's wedding? Like, boy, you heard the story of the Virgin Mary? Aha! You know what I'm saying? You were so good, God gave you to us early. I've been speaking those labels over here for as long as I can remember, so, but that's what you got to do. Is that because that's important? And I think about... God, and we talk about submitting to the authorities, to really the reverence and awe of who he is. I mean, God has all these names, and one of his names that they give his name is I Am. And if you look at the name I Am, it's really, in the, uh, in the Hebrew, he says that, you know, they ask Moses, like, who, you know, who am I? And Moses asked for his name, and he says, Eye Asher Eye, which is basically, it's one of the most famous verses in the Torah. It basically says, not only this, not only I am that I am, present tense, but I am that I will be. And as the worship team was singing the song earlier, it's like, the God of the present is the God of the future. I write your story. I hold it all together. In other words, I am that I am now, and I am that I will be. And, and as I, and I speak those labels, and what are those things you're speaking over yourself and over your kids and in the mirror? Matter of fact, and we all have names that we've been given from birth. As a matter of fact, on the count of three, we're all going to say, I am, and then you're going to say your name, okay? Everybody got that? All of our campus, everybody online, ready? One, two, three. I am, y'all don't know y'all's name? Like, let's try this again. On the count of three, ready? One, two, three. I am, so you guys shouted out all these names that maybe that, you're, that God gave you. So you're like, no, God didn't give me this name. My parents gave me this name, you know what I'm saying? But like, you have this name, but, but isn't it interesting? I mean, when my sons were young, I'd always tell them, when you meet somebody, you give them a firm handshake, and you say, I am, and you tell them your name. 
Before we can even tell somebody who we are, we have to acknowledge who I am is. So the next time you say, I am Scott Williams, say, I am your name, let that be a reminder of who the great I am is and how important his name is and the reverence and awe of who he is. Last thing, if you're taking notes, and this is where uh, they'll start playing on the keys behind me to make me sound more spiritual. <laughs> this is when preachers say, as I close, and in my church growing up, that meant 13 more hours. That's not the case here. It's good. I like that right there. That's good. Should have had him out the whole time. Sounds so much better, right? Last thing we're taking notes is this. You have to trust in the completeness of Jesus. Everybody say completeness. So you got power, authority, and completeness. Verse 48. Then he said to her, daughter. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, not let anyone go in with him except for Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing for her. Stop wailing, stop crying, stop tripping, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. I'm here to tell you that that dream, that vision that you had for your life, it's not dead. It's just asleep. Everything that you were believing for before the pandemic rolled in, all those visions that you had for your life, for your relationship, for your business, for your education, for your family, they aren't dead. They're just asleep. And Jesus is talking about faith here, but this is key because the naysayers are going to come out when you start believing this. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, dream, vision, what you were believing for, get up. Her spirit returned and at once she stood up. So trusting in the completeness of Jesus about faith. Because the Bible talks about three types of faith. Little faith, God can do this. Great faith, God will do this. And a perfect faith, it's as good as done. And that's how they showed up to Jesus with this perfect faith, believing that God was going to show up and their situation is going to blow up. So I don't know what it is that you're facing today, but God wanted me to remind you that you need to begin to increase your faith. As a matter of fact, can you put verse 50 back on the screen for me? Verse 50. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, semicolon, just believe. You see, the semicolon is this interesting piece of punctuation. It's been around since the 1400s. Altus Matanaeus is the one that came up with it. And what he said is, is a reminder of this, is that when, when a sentence is supposed to end, what he said, there's more to the story. And so the author said, there's more to the story. And I'm here to tell you, I don't think it's coincidence. God wanted us to remind us this, that, you know what? Your story was supposed to end. They've counted you out. They said you can't do it. They said you don't have what it takes. They said you couldn't be healed. They said that you 
you couldn't have breakthrough. They said that you couldn't have blessing, but he says, you know what? Semicolon, just believe. That's why it's important as we were looking at the song earlier, as we were thinking about worship, he says, you know what? I write your story. God is the one that writes your story. And some of you are like, well, this is just a story of my life. Where it's time that you get a new author. It's time that you reach out and give the pen to Jesus because he said, I want to write your story, not only today, but tomorrow. But you got to be willing to believe. 12-year-old little girl, 12 years, woman with the issue of blood, 12 disciples, 12 pearly gates, first account of Jesus' words in the Bible in Luke 2, he was 12 years old. 12 months a year, Jesus is in the healing business. So all across this room and on campus right now, when I say semicolon, I want you to yell out, just believe. Semicolon. Semicolon. Here's the deal. You've had a stage three, stage four cancer diagnosis, and it doesn't look good. The doctors are saying nothing can happen, but you're believing. You know why? Semicolon. You have a son or daughter that's run from the Lord and it doesn't look like there's any great vision in sight. It looks like I'm going to continue to hang with the wrong crowd, but you think something's different. You know why? Semicolon. Here's the deal. Maybe your couples, you've been trying to get pregnant week after week, month after month, and many of you year after year, and maybe you've had miscarriage or maybe you hadn't had a positive pregnancy, but you're believing that there's going to be breakthrough. You know why? Semicolon. We serve an amazing God that puts semicolons in our stories. But what he wants us to do is to simply believe it. The question for you today is, do you believe it? Are you reaching out? Or are you going to walk out these doors different today? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word and everyone that's under the sound of my voice at all of our campus right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you should be honest enough to say, you know what, man, I haven't been reached out and connecting with the power of Jesus. I've been kind of doing my thing. I, I haven't really been, been submitting to the authority and my faith hasn't been where it is. God, I want you to increase my faith. I want 2021 to be different all across this room and all across our campus. If that's you, if you want to increase those levels, just lift your hand right now. All across the room, I want to pray for you right now. It should be hands going up all over the places as people are saying they want their faith to increase. They want 2021 to be different. God, I pray for every single person that has their hand lifted up right now. God, I pray they can't get through this week without you pouring out blessings and breakthrough. I pray that they would see something, Lord, they would feel something, that things would be different as they reach out and connecting to your endless power source, God. And may you pour into them just like your word said that you did. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed, you can put your hands down now. At all of our locations, this is the most important time in the service because one of the things that breaks my heart when I preach to a room this size and people, literally thousands of people joining all around the world is that there's so many people that if life were to end today, they're gonna miss heaven by 12 inches because they have a head knowledge, but they don't have a heart acceptance. I'm not asking you have you ever sang a Christian song. I'm not asking you have you ever done a good deed. I'm asking you have you ever truly stepped across that spiritual line and surrendered your life to Jesus? And if you can't answer that question with an emphatic yes, here in a few moments, you're gonna have the opportunity to do so. So if you're 
you're here today, you say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of playing the church game. Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to wash my sins away, and I want you to make me brand new. If that's you and that's your prayer, right where you are right now, just raise your hand real high and keep it up. Just raise your hand high and keep it up. I just want to acknowledge you. I see hands going up, so many hands in this room, hands going up all over the room from the front to the back, too many to acknowledge, but God sees every single one of you. I know there's hands going up online right now, and our campus pastors, they're, they're taking it right now from the hands. For those of you that raised your hand and made the decision, your campus pastor will take it up there. I know hands are going up at all of our camps, hands going up online. And here's what we're going to do is we're going to pray this prayer out loud together in faith. For those who have made the decision to surrender life to Jesus, we're going to pray it out loud. And man, at the end, we're going to go crazy and celebrate. And I'm going to lead you in our response time. So I want every single person, we're going to do it as a church family, to repeat this prayer after me saying, Heavenly Father, we're, doing, we're praying this as a church family, every single voice. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus who died on the cross for my sins. Today I choose to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Change me and make me brand new. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, Seacoast. Let's give it up for changed lives today. Come on now. Come on now. Let's give it up for changed lives.